Good morning, beautiful souls. My name is Carmen Benton, and this is Living Intentionally. Today, we're going to be talking with my very good friend, Julie Glynn, and she is a published author of, oh my God, you got to listen to the name of this book, If My Ass Were Smaller, Life Will Be Perfect, right? And Other Lies That me, that the Mean Girl in Your Head Tells You. Uh, she is obviously the Mean Girl Coach and also an intuitive eating counselor. So, Yuli, welcome to the show. How are you doing Thank today? You. I am great. How are you? I am great. You know, I met Yuli, I don't know, maybe like two, three months ago, something like that. Seems like longer. And yes. when I saw the title of her book, I'm like, oh my God, I have to meet this woman because <laughs> this is like, yes, I don't know you, but I have told myself that many times, like, you know, Jennifer Lopez behind if I was a little smaller or a little tighter or a little something and then when I actually kept reading through the title of her book it's like yes these are all lies that we tell ourselves uh, that keep us nothing but stuck you know in life without really trying to pursue what we want you know try our best and it's kind of like excuses that we use for like survival mechanisms so I'm like I need to know this woman and then we met and you know it's been a blessing because she's just a giver and lover and I just like we really connected so I'm so glad you're here today I am so happy to be here <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit about you what inspired you to write this book and you know what is it about well, I'm a life coach, the mean girl coach, I call myself. Um, I, I was inspired to write it because I just saw coming up to surface so many times um, with clients that there was a voice that was holding them back. Um, and it was, it kind of rang true with me because that happens with me too. So I was like, I would hear them say, and I'd be like, it would be really hard to be like, yeah, I know, right? Uh, because it because I knew what they were talking about. And so then I was like, maybe we need to kind of like dig a little bit deeper and uncover the root of this voice that, like you said, it holds us back and we believe it. And there's like different levels of impact um, that people are affected by this voice. And so that's what kind of got me going. And I felt like the number one excuse not not excuse but message that I was hearing had to do with size and shape of the, our body and um I get a lot of compliments um I do work or not workshops I do um events author events women's expos and I set up a booth with my book and I get so many com comments about the title and I was like you know it has some oomph behind it it's got a little bit of shock value but it hits straight at one of the number one messages women get in their head that they can't get over. And that is, if I could just change the size of my ass, everything right. would be perfect. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I had a coach a long time ago that uh, she teaches marketing. And one of the things she was saying is, if you can actually speak, not only, you know, the marketing lingo, but on the exact terms that you know your ideal person speaks you know mm -hmm. then you got that and right. I mean I know I've said exactly those phrases to myself 
Right, right. <laughs> and I, I had thought when I initially started it, I had really thought that I was going to go with uh, something like if I could change the size of my ass, life would be perfect. Mm-hmm. But as it started to progress more and more, and I was getting feedback, because I do hear a lot when I go to expos and stuff, this some people it's not big enough. It's too small. It's too big. It's, you know, not tight enough, not round enough, all of these things. And it was like, it's broad, but for the most part, and then it also has the shock value of, oh, oh my gosh, did you see that? You know how many people walk by my book and like, oh, oh, did you see that? <laughs> and then we'll tap their wife, honey, did you see that? You say that all the time. <laughs> oh, those guys are probably getting trouble. <laughs> and the funny thing is, is that then people will laugh and then they'll apologize. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, you should be laughing when you walk by. I would be like, my own mean girl would be putting out the negative comments if people were walking by and they weren't laughing. I would be like, somebody right. said we were just at an author event this last weekend and a whole cu- two couples and they were all laughing and pointing and all this stuff. And then one of the guys goes, sorry, it's a funny title. I go, well, I expect you to laugh. If you didn't, I would be like, oh shoot, I missed it, the mark. <laughs> it is actually brilliant. And, uh, you know, my first reaction was like, dang, you gotta come up with a title like that, <laughs> right? So let's talk about this mean girl because ladies and gentlemen, you know, there is a mean person who lives in your brain and it pretty much have evicted every good persona that you might have. <laughs> and she's out of control or he, mm-hmm. but she's out mm-hmm. of control. And um, it's ruling your life. It's creating your beliefs. It's creating your stories. It's creating the rules. It's creating your reality every day because you are just limited, you know, kind of like with blinders. Mm-hmm. going through the motions based on the scripts that this mean girl tells you, mm-hmm. right? So um, what are some tools? And, you know, I'm a coach myself, but, you know, let's, let's chat about this. What are some tools that you help, uh, you use with your clients that can help them, um, you know, deal with the mean girl? One of the first things I always tell people to do is, well, the very simplest form is we have to notice her. Um, we get on a, on an autopilot where it's like a lot of people do this happened to me the other day. It's so funny is um, I was at a different expo than the one this weekend, but um, notice her. People will be like, oh, I don't have one. I don't have one. And it's funny but because when I do, yeah, when I do these expos, it's so funny to watch Mean Girls in action. I think I froze. Here we go. Yeah, it's funny fine. to watch Mean Girls in action because the Mean Girl just wants to stay in the center lane. Mm-hmm. They don't venture to the side. Don't nothing. I want nothing to be any different. So these people come to expos, and it's like the part, the logical part of their brain is like, oh, I want to go to this expo. There might be something there that I could learn. There might be something I can buy. Mean Girl's like, nope, I don't want you to give up any money. I don't want you to talk to anybody. People are going to, they're going to try to create change. I don't want it. I don't want to give up 20 bucks. That's a change. And that's, that takes me out of my zone. So it's funny how to watch these people's Mean Girl try to keep them from even making that little bit of a change in 
everything stays the same. So anyway, and I, and I hear these excuses. So this lady comes up to me the other day and I thought it was so funny. She, she admitted like that she was in her mid eighties or something like that. I can't remember. And she was, Oh, at my age, nope, I don't have mean girl anymore. No, I'm, I'm past it. I've grown out of that. I've gotten past that. And so we just started talking about other things. And it's really funny because she goes, well, I'm only here for one thing. I screwed up a birthday present. I accidentally gave my friend a present that was designed for my other friend. And now I messed that whole thing up. And I can't believe that I did that. I'm just, I had it all planned out and then I went screwed it up. And now I have to take my time today and I have to come here and I got to find something. And I don't even know what I was thinking when I screwed, when I messed that up and oh, I was so embarrassed. And she said, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, I sit there listening. I'm like, do you realize that is your mean girl on overdrive here? beating you up because you made a mistake, you know, instead of just being like, oh my gosh, you know, what is the funniest thing happened? I, I screwed up a birthday present. It was yeah. funny. I told my friend and I don't know, but no, it's like, I can't believe I did that. I don't know what I was thinking uh, at my age. I should have known better. I've been my friend. You know, it's like mean girl, mean girl. <laughs> right. Right. And it was so funny because it came out of the mouth of somebody who was insistent they don't have a mean girl. <laughs> well, and again, this is what I'm saying. Uh, so everyone has one and it's a matter of what part of your brain she's occupying and what relationship you have with her, mm -hmm. right? Um, so I always, like I help my clients with inner child wounds and this is really, that's where the mean girl is born out of, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like a traumatic event that happened and again, when we talk about trauma, it doesn't have to be something crazy, mm -hmm. but if it created an emotional impact on you, it was trauma. So mm -hmm. little trauma, big trauma, whatever. But like out of these things is where they mean, girl. Yes. Thing. And I, 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 not to bore people with science, yeah. but uh, the part of your brain where your mean girl lives is the very first part of your brain that starts development. Yeah. So you could have something as simple as an infant and you had to wait longer than you wanted to, to have your diaper changed and you screamed and threw a fit. The mean girl got a hold of that. And now mean girl is just like, oh, you can't rely on people. Oh, I don't like things to be wet. I don't like to sit on wet seats. I don't like, they hang on to that. And then it stays forever. The part of your brain that combats mean girl doesn't develop until you're like in your teens and early, you know, maybe even early twenties, depending. And so you have to balance those two sides of the brain, but one of them has been building, you know, momentum your entire life. Right. So, so we have awareness, so awareness, noticing her. Awareness. First that's thing. the first thing. Second thing is give her a name. Um, I have a thing in my book that says, um, well, I used to work in a jail and it was really big. We had actually had workshops for our employees about the distribution of power and how subtly the inmates could create less gap between the distribution of power. Mm -hmm. we weren't allowed to accept any, even if they drew us a picture or a note, you can't accept that because it brings an, a more of a balance between power. They weren't allowed to call us by our first names because that insinuates a balance of power. And so that's why I say, 
give Mean Girl a name because it balances the power that she has. It brings her power down, your power up. That's like we call our teachers, Mr. and Mrs. We call officers, you know, uh, professor, um, because it's because we want to create a distance and imbalance of power. We had we're on first names basis with people. We are an equal balance of power. So I always say give her a name. Plus, that way when you talk to her, you're a little bit more empowered. You just message her name, mention her name, you know, whatever. Uh, Maggie. I was gonna say Samantha. <laughs> yeah, Maggie, I got this. Mm. You know, and it's like, and if you think about when people say your own name to you, depending on how they say it, it can be belittled, you know. Yes. If they're just like, oh, you know what? I got this. But if I'm like, Carmen, I've got this. Yes. It kind of like brings me up a little bit and it kind of tells you, yes. you know. Yes. No, I absolutely in a different place. I absolutely love that. And um, thinking in some of the things I do, um, whenever I, I, and I don't call it the mean girl, but it's, you know, essentially kind of the same thing when I'm finding the fragment of yourself that is holding to a pattern right and so if if it's a childhood thing you know i'll take you through meditation um and in with support of your higher self you know to be able to hold that version of self and and say hey you know i'm you know i got you or you're gonna be okay or you know i'm gonna protect you whatever is that Right. That, that version of yourself needs, but I definitely like the naming it. So I'm going to. Mm -hmm. Well, and now that you mentioned it about meditation, meditation actually strengthens the part of your brain that combats the mean girl house of your brain. And so that is another step or a tool to bring you off of autopilot and to strengthen that other part of your brain. I mean, if you think about it, if you think about like, uh, anything where there's competition, whether it's like a basketball game or wrestling or something, if you've got somebody who's been practicing and building on that skill for 25, 30, 40, 50 years, and now all of a sudden you get somebody coming in and they've never, ever worked on it before, you have a huge imbalance of strength. Right. So sometimes part of quieting the mean girl is just building up the strength of the part of your brain that combats her. Yeah, you know what it's coming to mind is so. So I'm a black belt in karate, and um, when one of the things that uh, we were told to do, and this is when I was a teenager, it's you know you get to a place, and this is habit. I do this all the time. I get into a place. Where's the exit? Where's my weapon? You know, never give my bag to the door. It's not French way. It's just I need to see who coming in. And once I have all, you know, my checklist of things I go through, I disconnect from it. I relax mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. my brain knows exactly what to do. If there's an intruder, you know, I, wear, I know where the bottle is and I can crack it. I mean, it's just self-defense, right? It's not like, but the practice is reminding me that because as you meditate, as you connect, as you practice in your head, what is it to be nice to yourself? How would you, you know, say nice things instead of like disempowered things? How would you react in a situation that you normally get triggered? So you actually call your power back. You practice those behaviors 
through meditation or quiet time when you are not put on the spot. And then it becomes eventually an automatic response that can quiet right. you. Right. Right. I, I love yes. that. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. Because you want to take Mean Girl off of autopilot and in control. Mm -hmm. put yourself in that spot but like I said if you're not if you're not equipped to do that right right so um one of the things I find when I discover uh, oh actually let me ask you a question before that do you think there's one mean girl with multiple personality disorders (laughs) (laughs) or there is like a bunch of them (laughs) I think and my theory is it's one. Um, I think one lives there, but she can wreak havoc in so many different ways. Right. <laughs> Just a schizophrenic, but. <laughs> yeah. But I think that ultimately her ultimate goal is just to keep us keep us safe emotionally and physically absolutely keep us yeah. safe from embarrassment keep us in safe from disappointment and mm-hmm. failure and mm-hmm. heartache and the more she discovers that we can do that and experience that without it being debilitating the more she it's kind of like well and I think you know we have a new, relatively new puppy the first day we had him he barked a lot he's gotten way better at it but in the beginning he thought everything was dangerous you know I have no idea I have no idea what that is I have no idea what that is and he barks and we ignore him and he discovers it's nothing and now there's things that he used to bark at he doesn't bark at them anymore like when the ice falls in the freezer you know like you have automatic freezer yes the ice falls and I was like, we can't do this our whole life. Bark <laughs> at that anymore. But it's kind of like Mean Girl. Once I discover, okay, that kind of looked like a threat, but it's all right. We can do that. Right, right. You know, and it's whatever it is, like public speaking. Oh gosh, don't do that. They're gonna, you're gonna be embarrassed. You'll wet your pants. You'll, you know, whatever. Um, the, it'll be a horrible situation. Mm-hmm. But then after you do it. It's like, oh, wait, it's just like the ice dropping. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah that I, happens. I, and I it's didn't fine. Yes, yeah, I, I got that. it. It's okay. I didn't, nothing happened. I didn't, I didn't get called out in handcuffs for, you know, <laughs> being aggressive. <laughs> you know, and yes. And it's so crazy how this primal uh, survival instinct that we all have. And by the way, that's the only and primary function of the human brain is to keep you alive. <laughs> Um, and three years old, they fight, fly, freeze, run, faint, all the Fs. Uh, (laughs) um, It's really just, and when you understand that, it's really just trying to keep you alive, right? Like you're doing something new, or you're doing something that hurt you in a way or fashion earlier, and the perception of pain of hurt, it's different as you grow up, but when you were little, Mm -hmm. you know, something as innocent i mean i had a client one time that all her self-worth um issues were because one time her mom when she was seven years old told her that she couldn't have the hagen das brand of ice cream she needed to have the cheaper one <laughs> and i mean i felt horrible first because i probably have to say that to my kids 
<laughs> no, no, no with ice cream, but like Kit Kats are my are the ones, the only chocolates I eat in Halloween and like I collect the taxes. They go trick-or-treating and I get all the Kit Kats. They can have all the other ones. And then I put them in the freezer because I like the, my chocolate frozen. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I do. And so it's like, no, you cannot eat the Kit Kat. The Kit Kats are mine. So, you know, so as my client was, we were untangling all the situation and I was like, oh my God, I am absolutely positive your mom didn't mean to create this trauma of worth, right? But that simple, basic, unintended situation created a trauma that give the mean girl ammunition and reasons to say, okay, well, I have to protect myself because if the, if the one person that must think that I'm the most deserving person in the world doesn't think I'm worth of the Hagen das brand, then nobody's going to think that I'm worthy of anything, right? And right. so, but being aware of it, now you can equip yourself with tools that, you know, Julie, as a coach and myself, give our clients when, you know, we have a coaching relationship of, you know, how to interrupt those thoughts, how to replace them with better ones. And so um, you want to talk a little bit about how you use this approach of the mean girl with eating, because, you know, you said you are. Oh yeah. Cause I'm intuitive eating counselor. Yeah. Well, I kind of feel like the way that we quiet our mean girl and mean girl is going to promote inadequate thoughts. And the antidote to inadequacy is empowerment. And so I kind of feel like there's three pillars and it's the way we treat ourselves, feed ourselves and speak to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And if we do that with intention, instead of autopilot, that's going to, that's going to combat mean girl. And that's going to improve our empowerment. The more empowered we are, the things that mean girl says, or we're just like, no way, you know, I mean, like, where would you even get that idea? Because we feel so empowered. And so one of those pillars, one of those categories is how we feed ourselves. And it's one of the things too, where Mingo really beats us up. Um, and I, I see this a lot with people. It's, it's really fun to just sit quietly and observe and listen to the things you hear people say. Um, like, oh, I'm not eating dinner tonight. I had a cupcake after lunch at that office party today. I'm not eating any dinner tonight. And it's like, really? <laughs> you still got to feed your body. <laughs> um, and the thing I think about that, that's kind of fascinating is if we took our, you get the seven-year-old with the haagen If we took our seven-year-old to a birthday party at lunch and they had birthday cake, would we tell them, well, now you, you understand we're not having dinner later tonight, right? No. Yeah. We'd have our children taken away from us. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Excuse me, ma'am. I understand you're not feeding your child dinner because they went to a birthday party today. Or the um, what is the other one? Oh, I went to a birthday party today and I ate cake. So now I have to run around the block 14 times. Right. We did that to our child. No, you can't come in when we get home. You need to run 14 times around the block because I saw you eat cake. Um, but then we also have the mental of the, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. Oh, I'm so stuffed. Oh, I'm so full. I can't believe I ate that. I Oh, I'm such a bad person. I never should have ate that. So part of the component is the intuitive eating piece that I do, which helps both with the mean girl. And it doesn't give her any ammunition because we feel okay about 
what we ate, how much we ate, our food choices and things like that. Right. And um, I remember when we were having um, just the touch base before the podcast, um, I was sharing with you about what sometimes food means energetically speaking. And I don't necessarily coach people when it comes to eating and, and you know, weight and those things, but it has come a couple of times with clients that, you know, I feel bad or I feel guilty because I, you know, had this or that. Right, right. And because most of my work goes around the energetics and, you know, healings and DNA activations and whatnot, you know, and I'm always tapping to my client's energy. It's like, well... You know, you wanted that beer because your third eye is overacting and you don't know how to ground. So it's asking you to disconnect mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and right. or, you know, or on the other hand, it's like you're craving potatoes because you your body's asking you to ground. Mm -hmm. Right. And so. For once, it's like. One thing that you eat that's not on the diet is not going to kill you. And right. Probably what hurts you more than anything, it's the feelings that you start associating with that, like the guilt and the shame and the blame for just like really honoring what's happening, right? And so right. Uh, what I do is I do give my clients tools that are not like, if you're craving this, just be aware. And if you're playing with energy, right? Like that's most of the people that if you're playing with energy and you're craving these type of things, chances are, that this is happening. This is other ways to right, right. And and then one of the things too about with the eating and the diet, which brings us to back around to the title of my book, is that sometimes we feel so out of control that we think the only thing we can control is our food, our diet, and the size and shape of our body. And we have this idea that once we do that, once I gain control of all of that, I'm going to have control of everything, which is the title of my book. And my ass for smaller life will be perfect and other lies because even, and I've had a lot of people come up to me and I love it when they do have come up to me and said, I know for a fact, your book title is true because I lost 130 pounds and every thing that I was miserable about, miserable about was still there. All of these people weren't still at the place they were at the, I lost 130 pounds. Mm -hmm. They were back to where they were before, but it was like, everything else was still the same. I was still miserable in my marriage. I was still, I still hated my job. I still couldn't stand where I was living in my environment everything was just as bad, except I basically, you know, restricted food and calories for a certain amount of time thinking all of this was going to get better. And it doesn't. That's the whole point of the title of my book is you still have all of the same stuff, the same misery, the same, whatever's not going well, the same bank balance, the same electric bill, the same, you know, and I, I give examples in my book, you know, the same kids that talk back, the same mound of clothes your husband leaves on the side of the bed, you know, it's all the same, all the same. Um, yeah, then so it doesn't matter, but it's, we feel like that's an area where we might have some control. And so we grab at it instead of doing the work of, well, how do I fix 
the other things that aren't working for me. Right. And control is one of the personalities of the mean girl, right? Oh, yeah. It's the false illusion that uh, I'm going to be safe if I can, you know. Oh, yes. Yes. And she doesn't like change. So it's like, even if you take something as simple as somebody, you know, a story, they have, we all have our story. And if it's like, well, how can we rewrite that story? It's, I've had clients immediately, I feel resistance in changing that story. Of course you do. Because once you rewrite your story, that's going to evoke change. Right. Mean girl doesn't want, she doesn't like change. There's security in knowing how things are going to turn out. Right. It's like they say that um, you're comfortable with the devil, you know. Right. Well, at least I know how bad it is. Right. Once I start changing, I don't know. Right. Is it going to be better? Is it going to be worse? Yeah. Like when people stay in abusive relationships because it's, you know, it's safe mm-hmm. to know you know, you can control it, you can avoid it, you can, you're predicting it, you can, you know how to expect it. Um, yeah. Yes, totally. And so it's it's very important, uh, th- this work and these topics are so important because people, people, and I've been there, you know, I had to, I had to tame my mean girl. <laughs> I thought there were a lot of them, but Maybe, maybe it was just schizophrenic, uh, but <laughs> it's possible, I guess, but it's, that's what I'm trying to say. You know, we don't evict her. She's always going to be part of you, but understanding, loving with compassion. Um, I actually like, really like the naming her and, you know, creating this, that balance of power. I think that's brilliant, mm-hmm. um, but everyone needs to do this work. Everyone. Oh, yeah. And so it's not something, and, and please, if you are like that eight-year-old lady, like I don't have one, you do. And the, <laughs> fact that, the fact that you think you don't have one, that's your mean girl talking. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so um, I want to make sure everyone can know, everyone knows how to go, get a copy of your book um, because it, it's such an important topic. Uh, I'm actually going to get it for my daughter. She, she, I, I saw her like a sailor, so that's, I'm perfectly fine with that. <laughs> um, uh, but it's, it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, let's stop saying lies to ourselves and, and just make your life better by making 1% change every day. Right. 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 Just one little step in the right direction every day. Yeah. That's all it takes. And before you know it, it's like compounding interest, right? Before you know right. it. You yes. Before you, you know like, it. Look where I am. Well, that's beautiful. So Julie, is there anything else you would like um, our listeners to know where to find you? Um, you can find my book on um, my website and those are signed copies. So I tease people and I'm like, you know, first edition signed copy be worth millions at some point, right? I know. <laughs> um, those are on my website at Julie Glenn, my name, julieglynn.com. It's J-U-L-I-E-G-L-Y-N-N.com. We'll put it at the at the with the description yeah. of the podcast ranking. And the digitals are available pretty much anywhere you can buy a book online. That you can get the digital Amazon, Barnes and Noble. I don't know. I don't even know all of them, but they're all over digital copies. That's beautiful, awesome. And then I suppose once someone has the book, then there is ways to contact you from there. 
Yes, well, you can also contact me through my through my website. And then my email is my name too, at yahoo.com. Yes, awesome. Well, that's beautiful. Super simple. Super yeah. simple. Yeah. <laughs> well, this has been such a great conversation and such an important topic. So I'll be curious to see if you have a name that you're going to give your mean girl. I just, I'm curious. So I would love for you to drop it. Oh, yes. I love hearing it. And you know, the other thing is too, is it takes people a long time and sometimes they can't come up with a name. And it's, it's weird. Just recently, I've been using my own intuition and people have messaged me and I have a, I have a Facebook group of people who've read my book. And in there I asked who needs, whose name their mean girl and who needs help. And a bunch of people are like, I need help. And I just kind of used my intuition. Um, and I, I thought about the person and I just sat for a minute and then I was like, whatever came into my head. And I was like, this is your mean girl's name. Yeah. And almost everybody has been like, I love it. Perfect. <laughs> Nobody's come back and been like, well, that's my sister's name or, you well, know, maybe that's your mean I know. So I'm like, reason. I just, I just give it some thought in it. And I thought at first, oh, I'll just pull out of a, like a, you know, a stack of names but then I was like, no, let me give this some thought. And I sit with it for, you know, just a minute or so. And a name pops into my head and that's what they get. So sometimes naming it can be complicated. And if that's the case, I'm happy to help. Uh, that's so fun. Super happy okay, so, so everybody who's watching the show, just comment, the, comment below your, you know, either what's the name of the girl that's in the attic right there, or if you need help and then. You yep. need Absolutely. I love naming girls. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we didn't offend anyone with the names that we said here. But I think I'm calling mine Samantha. I don't know why. I call mine Maggie. Maggie. Because of, because it's the part of the brain where she lives. The Mag Magdala Magda something. Yeah, she lived that's where her that's the name across the top of her door. <laughs> yes. That's funny. Okay, well, thank you, Julie. It's been a pleasure to have you here today. Thank and you. We're going to be putting all the links below so you can find the book and get in touch with Julie. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.